Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball. Still kind of whenever. I am your host, Chris Gianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am extremely jealous of you because you have experienced pandemic baseball. I have not yet, and I want to know what that experience is like. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we, you know, we're, we're college students. We usually live on campus, but, you know, it's a holiday weekend, so I, I came back to my home uh, in Connecticut on Thursday, and, you know, a few hours after I got back, you know, the Red Sox game was supposed to be on Thursday afternoon, uh, and that got postponed to Friday, and my dad comes down, and he's like, well, I think I'm available tomorrow. I was not available today, and uh, and yeah, he he buys the uh, he buys the tickets for opening day, 2021, and yeah, very interesting experience because uh, first of all, I had never been to an opening day, and second of all, no one had gone to Fenway since uh, before the pandemic. I was I was at the last game at Fenway before there, that fans were allowed in. Yeah, yeah, you were at the last one, and I was at the first one since the start of it, and there were only about 4,500 people there. I think it was like 12% capacity. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, uh, you know, obviously, as you can imagine, just no lines anywhere, pretty much. Uh, we, uh, when we went into the ballpark, they had us fill out a health, health screening on the um, – MLB ballpark app. So we, we had to download that. And it was just uh, basically the questions you get before tests, like, have you tested positive in the last 90 days? Have you experienced any symptoms? Uh, have you been in close contact with anyone who's tested positive in the past 14 days? And obviously, the answer was no to all that. So you went on through. And uh, that was that. And yeah, and, you know, just, and, you know, exiting out of the game was extremely, extremely easy. Uh, You know, there were, I guess, patrol people, you know, trying to uh, see if if everyone had their uh, masks up, if they were not eating or drinking. So I saw a couple of uh, those exchanges because, yeah, people let that down a a bit a bit liberally so some people that's one thing like I don't want to like test I don't want to make the uh I don't want to make the person who has to check all these things have to come over so that's why I just leaved up the entire time but yeah uh that was kind of the pandemic baseball experience um nothing uh 
nothing too unusual that that really surprised me I was gonna say like you were traveling from Connecticut to Mass so like was there any sort of like out-of-state traveling protocol that you had to do or was it just you get there and they ask you the questions and you're good no I mean uh if if there was a traveling thing that had to happen I don't think uh Connecticut would have been their concern but they didn't ask anything about um about any of that and uh, about travel they just filled out they just had uh, the health screening filled out just about just the regular standard questions before you like get a test yeah and yeah no no rapid tests at Fenway like to get in I think that's why they had lower capacity just to because they weren't taking the the major major precautions I'm surprised you didn't have to like have a test beforehand well I mean I guess that's what the uh the distancing is for yeah and what the masks are for just in case someone's positive uh because yeah I mean that would just be that would be a lot of uh precautions but yeah like I guess that's what the uh distancing is for if you if they made tests uh, mandatory they'd probably be able to fit more people into the into the stadium for sure um but yeah that was that was a uh, pandemic baseball i got a couple tv appearances my dad <laughs> did not cheap out on opening day 2021 he gave us uh, some great great seats uh behind the red sox dugout um if you follow me on Twitter, you see I had a bit of a stare down with Nathan Eovaldi. Um, not a not happy with my fourth place pick, and the way it's looking right now, maybe they should have been a fifth place pick. Yeah, with, seriously. Uh, with this team. I mean, I mean, to be fair, I mean they did play the powerhouse Baltimore Orioles. Yes, uh, you know we all know we all know those classic Orioles. You know they got Frank Robinson, they got Jim Palmer back there in the in they the got North brooks league. robinson yeah brooks robinson it's a di- it's a dynasty yeah mark belanger eddie, eddie murray yeah they got eddie murray over there they got adam yeah. jones out in center right nelson cruz as the dh <laughs> yeah they got a great team zach Britton out in the bullpen <laughs> yes you got zach yeah you can't you can't uh can't beat once it hits the ninth inning you're down it's game over with zach Britton and the or even or even if it's tied like if it's tied in like a, a big game or something you know zach Britton's in the bullpen you bring him in yeah ex- exactly especially if it's like i mean i don't know it's the regular season it's not like it's a winner take all game no, 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 no. uh in the in the first couple games of the season uh <laughs> yeah the Orioles I don't know maybe the Orioles did really well maybe the Red Sox did very poorly I don't know we'll see how it all pans out but yeah pandemic baseball um yeah a lot of a lot of stadiums had their first or yeah yeah all the stadiums except for Texas Texas yeah. well I guess I mean I guess not all the stadiums just because not all of them are home so like some stadiums are still waiting for their first fans to come back yeah, today, uh, as of the recording, today we see a full crowd. Uh, oh, God, movie. yeah. Because Texas yeah. has 100% capacity. I'm going to be putting on the game exclusively for that reason. Mm-hmm. Just to see and how that looks. 
It's the dead rivalry of Blue Jays Rangers too. Oh right, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Speaking of mid twenty tens ongoings with the with the Zach Britton theme, um, but yeah, uh, I guess the next news of the day. Uh, I don't know when when did this happen. This happened like it was the- it was right. It was the, at the eleventh hour. It was the day before opening day. Yeah, day before opening day, Francisco Lindor gets a 10-year, $341 million contract. Uh, It's going to take him through his age 36 season, and uh, he's going to be a Met, you know, pretty much for life, uh, for for the rest, for most of the rest of his career, uh, for the price of $341 million. What are your takeaways from this deal? Well, I think the the general consensus was that he probably didn't deserve that much money. And I'm not necessarily going to disagree with that from a statistical angle, but when you have Steve Cohen as your owner, the richest owner in baseball by an absolute landslide, 341 is kind of like, I think it's a happy medium for the two. I'm happy for Francisco Lindor because obviously he's such a likable player and he's, he was never treated correctly in, in Cleveland. And I think that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way uh, for that franchise. And he has his home, and they're they're immediately making him, they're they're immediately letting him know that he's wanted, and I think that's just what he's wanted this entire time. Yeah, um, there are a, a few takeaways to, uh, I guess, take away from this. Yeah, um, obviously, uh, Lindor's last maybe two years have not been uh, his best, although he's still been a very good player. But, you know, he's still 26. I feel like we still haven't really seen the best of Francisco Lindor yet. Yeah. So you're willing to take that risk of, you know, maybe he hasn't had the best last couple seasons, but, you know, the he pr- still probably hasn't had his best season. He's only in his age 27 season. Um, so you're definitely willing to take that risk. And, you know, it's more than the money to Lindor. I think the Mets are really making a statement to, you know, the rest of their franchise with a deal like this, you know, cause they didn't really, they didn't really make the, they didn't really dole out the big bucks to anyone over this past off season in terms of like a major player. They're fine. They're finally doing it and they're making a statement to their franchise and to the rest of the league that they're a real, uh, you know, a real uh, potential buyer in anyone in the league at this point. I think that this deal like officially marks the the official beginning of the Cohen era because we all know that the Wilpons wouldn't have gotten this deal done. We know that the Wilpons wouldn't have had him here in the first place. But even if they did, like, I, do you see them rolling out three hundred forty-one million? No, of course you don't. Um, yeah, no. I mean, I think the biggest deal they doled out was Cespedes. Uh, uh, Cespedes, or I guess Degrom. But you know, it was still only like they got Degrom for a good, a good, a good team deal. Five years, yeah. like hundred forty something million. Yeah, no, that was a nice, easy one. Uh, yeah, that this this doubles that. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is this is really Cohen's been doing what he was advertised to do. Like he's coming in and he's he's getting all these guys and he's doing all the things that the the Wilpons would just never have done. And, you know, there's a reason people wanted the Wilpons to sell for so, so, so long. And I think this is finally culminating into what the Mets have wanted to happen for so long. Yeah, exactly. And, 
um, you know, they, they went out and they chose the, the correct player to do, to do this with. They didn't, you know, they didn't sign a guy for, you know, 200 million plus who's like, you know, a, a first baseman in his thirties, which never really works out. Yeah. They chose a shortstop still in the prime of his career. You know, a guy we probably still haven't seen the best of, um, you know, there's for reference on Francisco Lindor, uh, since the start of 2016, he ranked sixth in position player F war. And, you know, he's shown, uh, he's shown a lot so far, uh, a little, how about that on Francisco Lindor, just to show, um, what he's been able to do early in his career and just to show what's potentially coming with, uh, New York, uh, his, his three seasons, with 30-plus home runs, 40-plus doubles, and 15-plus stolen bases through his age 25 season remain the most through a player's age 25 season. So that's, you know, what that's the type of player the Mets are keeping around for the next 10 years. And is it uh, – I forgot to see what the deal was. Is it Does it start in 20 – 21 or 2022 i think it starts it starts in 22 okay so it's taking him through his age 37 season mm-hmm. yeah so, and i mean yeah um like you mentioned this is the right kind of player to do it with and i completely agree with that for but for a different reason because we've obviously seen many players go through declines after you know after getting an extension and just aging like you know players do and Francisco Lindor is obviously not going to be this type of player for the next 11 years, but the way he plays and the way that he, you know, polices himself on the field, like it's very reasonable to believe that he won't have that steep of a decline and he could still be putting up like low 700s OPSs by his age 37 season with like decent, pretty decent defense as well. Yeah. Like I like Francisco Lindor will be serviceable through this whole contract and he's obviously going to be great for the first half. And if he can remain serviceable for the second half, this is a really good deal for the Mets. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Cause like he's, he's obviously an athlete and even when he's not doing great with the bat, he's still a very good base runner. He's still an elite defender. You know, he's won two gold gloves. Um, He's usually, you know, near the top of those, you know, outs above average leaderboards. He's a very good, any, uh, any more thoughts on the Francisco Lindor deal? That's kind of it for me. Yeah, I think uh, I think we we covered it all. Um, unfortunately, though, we have not seen Francisco Lindor play a regular season game with the Mets because uh, their series was canceled this past weekend. Um, the Nationals had a bit of an outbreak. They had like three or four different players test positive. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was initially three, and I think a fourth one tested positive, and that made, like, the whole series get canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, just to recap, the series got canceled for the weekend. The Mets play their first game season tonight against Philadelphia. The Nationals are supposed to play the Braves tonight. They're going to hold off and aim to play on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, it's the same. We've been robbed of Juan Soto and Trey Turner and all these guys. Yeah, we've been robbed of a lot of things, you know, uh, for a few opening days now, we've had the ability to watch uh, DeGrom versus Scherzer. 
we were not able to see that. Uh, or DeGrom versus Soto. That's that's yeah. a fun matchup to watch. Francisco Lindor's Mets debut. We've been robbed of that. A lot of things, you know, you'll, you want to see in that Mets-Nat series. And uh, unfortunately, you know, things like this are going to happen. And it's not like a Cardinals or Marlins outbreak. Yeah, no. It's this just, is... you know, got... This is much more comforting this year. Like, there's so much more time to make up all these games. Like, I don't know, are seven-inning doubleheaders still a thing? Uh, I know they discussed it. Uh, I don't think they are. Yeah, I mean, it, they might – if they – it might be like last year where if enough games get canceled, they just pull the trigger on it. Yeah, it very well could be that, um, which is going to mess with a lot of people, but whatever. You know, there's obviously six months to make up these these three games against the Nats. And I feel like, I mean, I don't think there's going to be a Cardinals-Marlins situation this year where a team has to miss like two weeks worth of games and make up two weeks worth of games in a month and a half. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, do, it doesn't really seem that way, especially since a lot of people, you know, the situation seems a bit better. A lot more people mm -hmm. are vaccinated but i don't know there's though there was like a there was like an 85 threshold where teams had to get like 85 percent of their players vaccinated or something to be able to play um obviously mlb can't exactly force vaccines like it's all you know it's all in the will of the players and some players have i'm sure there are some players that won't do it which is did i don't know if you saw the whole eric sogard thing but like his wife like went off on social media about like how like She's not allowed to see him because he refuses to get the vaccine or something like that. Oh, I, I did not see that. Yeah, hold on. Let me let me find this. Yeah, um, I did not see this. What team is he on now? Is he, oh, is he still on the Brewers? I don't know. We, let's look at a uh, look at his baseball reference page. Eric So Guard. He's on the Cubs. He's on the Cubs now. Okay. I just remember um, he was just whacking balls for the Blue Jays, having a career year. I need to find this this post. Yeah, when he had a he had an 840 OPS with the Blue Jays before getting traded to the Rays. He hit 300 for him. <laughs> that was that was peak juice ball one. era in 2019 yep i am having trouble finding this um it's everywhere but it was i am not able to find oh this might be it okay yeah um no that's not it this is tough when did this happen like a few days ago uh five days ago this went viral or like she was like, if you think it's about a virus, blah blah blah. Like, it's about this and that. These other conspiracy theory things. Basically, uh, okay, I can't find it, but basically, just to sum it all up, Eric Sogard's wife is like upset that like, if he doesn't get vaccinated, then like he's not allowed to, like she's not allowed to see him off the field, and like he he like she can't go in the hotel, and like she thinks it's like not about the virus and it's about these other you know conspiracy things yeah i guess um they weren't allowed they they weren't allowed to see each other in the hotel like last season right they weren't yeah so it's 
kind of regular protocol, I guess. Um, and uh, another thing that like, this isn't really being, re a lot of people weren't taking this into consideration, but a lot more players are probably immune that we don't know about. Like it was reported yesterday that Michael, Michael Conforto had COVID about two weeks before spring training. Obviously that wasn't reported because it needed, it didn't need to be, but I mean, it makes you think how many players got it in the off season that we don't know about that, you know, we don't need to worry about now because they've had it. Yeah, that, that is a good point. I mean, you know, things like this pop up, you know, a, a lot of people just randomly, randomly get it. You hear more and more about it. It's, you know, more, more and more common. So I mean, the off season or before spring training, it was about three and a half months for people to just go about. So yeah, it, it's very possible that a good amount of players uh, got the virus uh, yeah. be before the season started. We don't need to worry about Justin Turner anymore. Yeah, I guess. Or I don't know. I feel like, or do the antibodies go away after 90 days? I think that's why they ask. It might. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's probably within 90 days. You probably could, but I mean, Michael Conforto's obviously uh, had it in the last 90 days. So I think he's all set. We don't know. Obviously we don't know, but there are probably a lot more players that have gotten it at a time where it didn't need to be reported. So we just didn't know. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. You know, so some of the league might not have to worry for the next few months of oh, next few months. Uh, so anyway, you know, Mets nationals uh, was taken away from us. Um, and some offenses that just did not show up, uh, you know, particularly good, you know, teams that were looked at, with that had you know good offenses the red sox and the atlanta braves uh just could not get anything together you know i guess the braves were facing uh for the first two games aaron nola and zach wheeler but the red sox you know i guess they red sox faced my guy to watch john means who had a great last four starts so it somewhat makes sense but they only got two hits in the game one of them being off of john means and, uh, and yeah, and, you know, they still, you know, scored two runs off of uh, Matt Harvey or two runs in a game against Matt Harvey. And uh, they scored three <laughs> yesterday, just not going well for, for either team. No, uh, the Red Sox and Braves have the two worst offenses, offenses in the league. The Red Sox with a 23 weighted runs created plus and negative 0.7 F4. The Braves with 13 weighted runs created plus a negative 0.8 F war. Like they're almost down a full win on offense after three games. And uh, the Braves have scored three runs in total. The Red Sox have scored five. Uh, the teams have combined for three total home runs uh, with Pablo Sandoval being one, J.D. Martinez being one, and who homered for the Braves yesterday? Um, run. Who was it? It wasn't any of like the, I want to say it was Darnell. It was Darnell. Yeah, that's who it was. I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at the Red Sox. So I'm looking at the Savant page for Red Sox Orioles on Friday. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just, everything, everything seemed like such weak contact. 
I was going to say, I think the expected batting average for like most of the games combined was like one, 190 something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Red Sox expected batting average on Friday was 154. I'm looking to see how many uh, were above, how many Red Sox hits or Red Sox batted balls had an expected batting average of 500 or above. Uh, one. Two, three. Okay, there were three, and they got two hits. Um, yeah, they were. They did not get a hit for twenty-nine plate appearances. It was uh, it was pretty rough. I mean, the Braves actually did get a bit unlucky. Uh, on opening day, they had an expected batting average of two seventy-six. The Phillies had a two two twenty-seven. So the Braves did get a bit unlucky, uh, and they did have. Uh, let's see. Marcelo Zuna had a 6.30 expected batting average single. Freddie Freeman had a 9.60 expecting ba- expected batting average with a barrel that ended up being a flyout. So that's tough. Boy. Yeah. So the Braves. I mean, I think there's less concern for the Braves uh, than there are in the Red Sox. Like the yeah. Braves. I mean, definitely. In the, I mean, obviously, there is reason to be concerned with the Braves. Like three runs in three games, no matter who you're facing, is problematic. Uh, oh, but they did have a 147 expected batting average in the second game and yeah. third game yesterday. Uh, yeah, Zach, Zach Wheeler, by the way, seven innings, one hit, no walks, 10 strikeouts. The third game, they had a 247. So, uh, by the way, one thing I wanted to note, completely off topic, but I'm glad you mentioned that because there's been so much talk over the last few years about like how starting pitchers are not going as deep in the games, and that's just been an increasingly uh, – growing story every single year there have been five pitchers to go seven innings in a start this year so far after four days three of those five were yesterday on sunday that it was john means zach wheeler and then yesterday julio Tehran, um aaron savali and there was one more oh it was uh zach eflin two of them were on the phillies oh yeah yeah pretty interesting um there's also some more storylines, but the the Red Sox not doing well offensively. I know it's only three games, but that's way more concerning than the Braves because the Red Sox don't. The Red Sox face Matt Harvey and Bruce Zimmerman. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, they face Matt Harvey and Bruce Zimmerman, who, you know, I had never heard of Bruce Zimmerman before. Most people hadn't. Um, and, you know, the Red Sox aren't going to win the two to one ball game. They're just not going to be able to do that. They have, you know, the Braves, when when you have Max Freed, Mike Soroka, Charlie Morton. Um, Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson. You're going to be able to win some of those games where you only score two, three runs. Red Sox, that's going to be a, ver- a very rare sight with the rotation and especially bullpen that they have. So if their offense is going to continue like this for a little while, that's they're not going to do well whatsoever. The team relies completely on their offense. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, the Braves had three batted balls with a, an expected batting average above 400, and all of them were outs. Oh, boy. Yeah. So they are getting very unlucky. Yeah. Maybe the, maybe the Phillies defense is finally showing up. <laughs> uh, That's true. Yeah. I mean, uh, it could just be – 
getting hit right at. By the way, I do not like, I'm not a fan of the new Savant layout. Like, I don't like that they add strikeouts to, like, if we're looking at, if you're sorting exit velocity, they push, they just mix, like, walks and strikeouts in there. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, I like the, um, I like the old, old one. So far, I have liked it a lot better, the, the old one, but like, you know, change is always. I'm sorting by distance right now in the Braves-Phillies game yesterday. In the first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, I think eight or nine uh, sequences that come up are strikeouts or walks. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the, they might have they might have, have some work to do over at baseballs font. A little weird. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So the Braves. I wouldn't worry so much about the Braves because, yeah, they have gotten – looks like they've gotten a bit unlucky. They've faced two fantastic pitchers, two of the best pitchers in the National League. Um, and then, you know, the third game, whatever, might it, it'll happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the Red Sox, though, not able to get any get – get anything going off of Matt Harvey or Bruce Zimmerman and your pitching staff is – not great, you know, looking at Garrett Richards yesterday. Not the best, not the deepest of rotations or bullpens. Uh, you're going to need to get some runs going. Uh, anything more on uh, on this epidemic of no. bad, uh, bad offense? Um, so now we get into uh, some players to highlight. You know, it's only been three or four games for these teams, but um, you know, we go over players to highlight, good players to highlight, players that have been doing extremely well, and players that have been doing extremely bad, or teams in general who have been doing uh, extremely bad. It, you know, we can go player or team or segment of team, like I did Orioles. I did the entire Orioles offense uh, one time last last year during the season. Mm-hmm. So I did the uh, I did like the Seattle pitching staff. Yep, exactly. That's, that's what we, uh, that's what we do here. And the segment for the good, uh, good highlighted players and teams is called. So we're going to get into the, uh, into this episode's edition of that. Uh, Who are you highlighting for? I have two players today. All right. Started out with multiple people because I hope you're a fan of lo- of small sample sizes because that is what I am going off of. Uh, so with the with the first one, I decided I'd go with two players that were pretty much on nobody's radar that performed really well this weekend. The first one is the guy who's been the best reliever in the league in this short season so far, Julian Merriweather. He is a relief yeah. pitcher from the Toronto Blue Jays who has been killing it. He has faced six batters this season, all of which on the Yankees, obviously. He struck out Aaron Hicks. He struck out John Carlos Stanton. He struck out Glaber Torres in his first outing. And then in his second outing, he struck out Glaber Torres again. He gave up a fly ball to Jay Bruce. And then he struck out Gary Sanchez on three pitches. Uh, this guy has been elite thus far. Two innings pitched, five strikeouts, and a negative 1.53 FIP. <laughs> uh, which is hilarious. He leads the league. Uh, he leads relievers in F4 right now with point zero with 0. 
Uh, so he's been pretty much the best reliever. But there is one particular thing that really caught my eye. So this guy, he's not a – I mean, he made his debut last year, and he pitched 13 innings in 2020. And in those 13 innings, he had three fastballs that topped 99 miles an hour. This year, in just two innings pitched, he already has seven pitches that have hit 99, with one of them hitting 100. So he has already shown a massive uptick in velocity. And by the way, he's in his age 29 season. So that's not exactly the time where you're expecting someone to go through that much of an uptick. And uh, also one thing, uh, he also went to Junipero Serra High School in California, which is the same high school as Barry Bonds. Nice, nice. That's very interesting uh, because also the, you know, in a cold weather situation, you're not expecting exactly uptick in velocity. And yeah, like, you know, I, at the, you know, Nathan Evaldi was topping out at like 98 on Friday because it was a little colder. Usually he's like 100, 101, but this guy's, his velocity is going up. So Julian Merriweather, he's got to be on your radar right now. Yeah. must've been a very good off season adjustment uh, happening over the winter. Exactly. Your second player to watch. My second player to watch, the Kansas City Royals were my sleeper team. And one thing I really liked about them is how deep their offense was. But I did not have Kyle Isbell on my radar. And I do now. He became he he struggled in, in yesterday's game on Sunday. That's okay. He went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts, but he's still rocking a 923 OPS because of what he was able to do in the first two games. He became the first player in Kansas City Royals history with two hits and one RBI in each of his first two games. So that was really impressive from him. Also, I was looking at the projections, and Zips has him with a negative 0.3 F4, and he's already at 0.2. So uh, he's been doing pretty well for himself so far. I don't know it's a super small sample size, and this could very well end up uh, backfiring, but I'm looking at Kyle Isbell right now. All right, so... Uh, I'm, I guess I'll sort of double up on how about that's as well, because I don't have any, I don't have any slightly alarmings. Really? Today. Um, but a guy who was amazing on, uh, Saturday for the Minnesota twins, Jose Barrios. Uh, he, he was unbelievable. I'm, uh, eventually I'm going to, you know, watch that replay on, MLB.tv, but he was amazing. He went six innings pitched uh, where he only, the only batter to reach base uh, was a hit by pitch. So no hits, no walks. And he struck out 12, 12 out of 19 batters he faced uh, were, were strikeouts. And his performance on Saturday is the only game with five plus innings pitched, no hits allowed and no walks in his team's first five games of the season. So, uh, you know, that that's, you know, regardless of, of any team. And also, uh, his performance is the only game in Twins slash Senators history with no hits allowed, no walks, and 12-plus strikeouts. Um, and that's, you know, not not specifically in the team's first five games of the season, any, any game of the season, that is the only game in history, uh, only game in twin slash Senators history with those numbers. And also, you know, a little fun thing for us 
if you lower the uh, strikeout filter down to 10 plus strikeouts, you know, games in uh, Twins last Senators history with no hits allowed, no walks allowed, and 10 plus strikeouts. Uh, it is the only game since Walter Johnson's uh, 1920 no hitter, who uh, Walter Johnson was obviously our last uh, history series player of the uh, of the history series. So yeah, it had been the first game in 101 years in Twins last Senators history to go like that, but only one in uh, only one in their franchise history with 12 plus strikeouts and no hits allowed, no walks allowed. So. Barrios was historically amazing. And uh, one guy I didn't write down, but I did find a how about that for him. My National League MVP pick, Corey Seager, was looking very good. Uh, he is the first player since 2007 to have a walk, two hits, and an RBI in each of his first three games. So first player in 14 years, uh, he's doing pretty well, you know, face he's in Colorado. So that, that helps a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't really have any slightly alarming. Do you have a slightly alarming to go? I do. I have one. Or actually we, before we exit, how about that? We should talk a little bit about your being uh, Mercedes. Cause he was neither. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. I mean, he was, he started out his season at eight for eight. Which yeah. is uh, this is according to Sarah Langs, she is the or he is the uh, first player in the modern era and probably ever to record to record eight hits to start a season. It's pretty incredible stuff from uh, Yermin Mercedes. I was really hoping he would get a fourth hit in the second game of his season because he would have become the first player in the modern era to have four hits in each of his first two games of a season. Yeah. Uh, and and the first three games of his career. Right, right. Yeah, he, that would have been uh, pretty amazing. But... Yeah, he had one plate appearance in 2020, which did, did we really need that? <laughs> that would have he, saved us so many cool st- statistics. Exactly, yeah. Uh, let me look at when, the, let me, when did this at back come? When did this happen? It is uh, out of all the White Sox. Yeah, seriously. This guy. On be- August 2nd against the Royals. The White Sox won this game 9-2. to two, And Yermin Mercedes... Was it really necessary? Okay, it was in the top of the 8th. The White Sox were leading 9-2. to two. He comes in, brings in, gets a 6 pitch at bat against Glenn Sparkman and then grounds out. <sighs> and he pinched... Who did he pinch hit for? He pinch hit for Edwin Encarnacion. I mean, he really couldn't have given Edwin one more at bat. Did you really need to put this guy in? Yeah. Was was it all worth it in the end? No. Rick Renteria? Well, you know, it doesn't <laughs> affect him now. By the way, the White Sox bullpen, I don't have anything on them, but they're slightly alarming. Oh, yeah, for sure. They cannot stop <laughs> blowing. No, it's very giving up. A lot of people are blaming Tony LaRussa, but like even I who hated the hire will say. It's not Tony LaRusso's fault that none of his relievers can get outs when they're supposed to. Yeah. Actually, like, how are you supposed to blame Tony LaRusso when Aaron Bummer gives up three runs in the eighth in a two-run yeah, game? Let's look at the uh, – Or Evan Marshall, I'm sorry. Evan Marshall gives up three runs in the eighth and gives up a home run to Justin Upton on Saturday. 
And then I think Liam Hendricks gave up. Did Liam Hendricks give up the walk-off last night to Jared Walsh? Um, was it Liam Hendricks? Uh, no, I don't think it was. No. It wasn't. But either way, I know he had a really bad appearance. Uh, might, have been, might have been Matt Foster. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Liam Hendricks, uh, two earned runs in one and a third innings pitch. Yeah. Uh, Evan Marshall, three earned runs in one and two thirds innings pitch. Uh, Aaron Bummer, both of, both of his runs were unearned, but two runs in. The way, yeah, the Angels scored on seven different unearned runs this weekend. So, yeah, some of that has to do with defense. By the way, the the uh, the Rizal Iglesias error from last night was mm-hmm. – I mean, he missed Anthony Rendon by 50 feet. Like 10 feet. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if the Angels lost off of that, that's a terrible way to lose. But it did set up for a fantastic walk-off. I mean, I hope – I mean, I remember Albert Pujols was in the lineup for the first two games, and everyone was questioning Joe Madden for putting him over Jared Walsh, which I was too. Jared Walsh goes out, hits two home runs on Sunday Night Baseball, and hits a triple the night before to set up for the Justin Upton uh, go-ahead home run. So Jared Walsh should be, in the, should be in the everyday lineup for the Angels. By the way, Angels looking real good. Uh, yeah, that's right. They, they are 3-1. and one. They have a very good lineup. It all depends on what the starting pitching can do. If Shohei Otani can do that every day, that'd be awesome. Right, yeah. Yeah, he came Yeah, came out of the game with – and it wasn't really – it wasn't an injury concern. He was just at 92 pitches or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that's good news if you did not pick up on that on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a slightly alarming – I do. So this is a guy who I was who had a down year in 2020 after being one of my guys to watch. I was really hoping for a comeback season from him, but it's not looking good right now. Uh, and that is Kesson Hira, who has been really, really struggling at the plate. He is 0 for 12 with his only on-base appearance being on a fielder's choice. Uh, so he has an 083 on-base percentage with a 83 OPS as well. And he also has a 50% strikeout rate. And not only that, he also had an error which caused his team a run on Saturday. Or no, Sunday, on Sunday. Slightly alarming. Yeah, we're gonna, I'm going to need to see more from Keston Hira because I had the Brewers winning the division, and I had Keston Hira as one of the reasons why. Yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of disappointing last season, and it's continuing somewhat over uh, Brewers – not to mention his Savant page is awful right now, too. Yeah, Brewers won two out of three. Uh, No, the Twins won two out of three. Twins won two out of three. They should have won all three, but they gave up a three-run lead in the ninth. Uh, Keston Hira right now on Savant. 12% tile exit velocity, 1% ex-woba, 1% expected batting average, 1% ex-slugging, 2% tile a K, K rate, 2th percentile, whiff rate, 5 percentile above, outs above average. Oh, man. <laughs> best ranking is 12th percentile exit velocity. Yeah, and that, and that doesn't count strikeouts, so. Yeah, like, like his expected batting average is 103. Or that's, I'm sorry, that's an expected WOBA. His ex-WOBA is 103. His expected batting average is 040. Yeah, that's terrible. 
that's like doing what uh, people were doing off of uh, D- Devin Williams's changeup last season. Yeah. Like, imagine if you were facing that all season. That's what Kesson here has been doing so far. Exactly. Yeah. It's <laughs> not, uh, not great. But he might be the worst hitter in the league right now. We hope to see some improvements out of out of him. Um, all right. Well, that does it for our highlighted players for the week. Now we're gonna preview preview the week ahead. See what's going on. Look at you know the MLB app. See what we like. Um, I I know what I like. Yeah, I'm I'm looking. Uh, I'm looking over here, you know, there's specific maybe pitching matchups that uh, mm-hmm. I like to see, but actually not a lot of like competitive team, competitive team versus competitive team. Uh, what specifically are you, are you looking at? So the angels, as I mentioned before, looked really good. And the Astros kind of established themselves as the measuring stick in the ALS by winning four straight against the Oakland A's in Oakland, scoring eight runs in each of the four games at least. Uh, So I am looking at Angels-Astros this week. I really do want to see if the Angels are for real. And I think that this series is going to send a large message to that. Uh, Tonight, on Monday, we have Luis Garcia going for the Astros against Jose Quintana making his Angels debut. This is in Anaheim, by the way. And on Tuesday, we got uh, we got Zach Greinke going against Griffin Canning, and then on Wednesday to finish the series off, the pitching matchup is it's a uh, do they not play on Wednesday? It's only a two game series. Um, it looks like it's only a two game series. Oh, that's interesting. Usually, Wednesday they they, they kind of get weird in the first couple weeks of the season with stuff yeah. like that. So okay, it's only a two-game series, but regardless, I think it's gonna. This is gonna say a lot about the Angels how they play these next two games. Uh, yeah, that is true. Yeah, the by the way, the Astros just absolutely killed. Yeah. The Athletics over the weekend. I think it's hilarious because the A's, the A's won't stop talking about how much they hate the Astros. Like they played the. They played before he cheats, before one of the games when they were announcing the Astros lineup. They can't beat them to save their lives. Like, they lost in the playoffs last year. They lost four straight in Oakland. They just can't beat these guys no matter how much trash they talk. Yeah, it's not looking good. They can't back up, you know. If anyone had the argument that uh, the Astros, you know, would have won without the cheating, they're they're proving it against at least the Athletics. Who are supposed to be good? I mean, I had him in first, in third place. Yeah, you probably would have were one of the more pessimistic ones on the Athletics. I was. Uh, uh, I mean, with me, either that or I was just optimistic on the Angels. Right. Yeah, and I did have him in second. Most, um, people, most people had the A's in either second or first, mm-hmm. um, competing with the Astros. But yeah, wow, did not go for the, well for them. This weekend, uh, I guess the series I'm looking at, um, just because maybe this could be a good start for uh, the Cohen Mets, because you know the pitching mm-hmm. matchups are just uh, crazy off the board because of this delay. Because of the, the Mets have their ace going and the Phillies have their number four starter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like this could go this could this could go well for the Mets, 
although the Phillies did go 3-0 over the weekend over the defending, uh, three-time defending NL East champions. So you got DeGrom going against Matt Moore. Uh, Matt Moore, you know, we'll see if he carries over. Yeah, his, oh, that, that's one that I'm watching tonight. We'll, carry, we'll see if he carries over his uh, Japan uh, success. Uh, he's going up against Jacob DeGrom. And then you got Stroman versus uh, Chase Anderson, I think. Yeah, Chase yeah. Anderson. So we'll see, we'll see about that. We'll see how the Mets lineup are going to handle those two. And then it's right back to the Phillies ace after that. Uh, it looks like the Mets have David Peterson scheduled to go against Aaron Nola. Uh, Aaron Nola. And I believe that'll close it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's no Thursday game. So, that yeah, that'll close it out for Mets-Phillies. So, it could be a good way to start for the Mets going up against four or five, the four or five starters in their first two games and then ending on Aaron Nola. Um, I don't know. It could be a, a good morale boost for New York after, you know, being on the tip of their toes, I would imagine, getting ready to play after, you know, four days in a row not playing. So that yeah. should be fun to watch. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I guess that's the uh, end of the episode. Yeah. So do you, uh, you have anything more? I got nothing. So uh, if you enjoyed this episode uh, and you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch us talk, uh, go to our YouTube channel, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, it's got everything. It's got the baseball history series. Make sure to check that out. That'll always be up there and uh, in our hearts. Uh, many, many variations of the playlist too. If you want to listen to the chronological order of the players or the teams, uh, you can go to that, go to those playlists. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, if you're, if you want to f- follow us on social media, Follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on Twitter or in, and Instagram at Daniel underscore Current. And follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all of the updates. And uh, we hope to we hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope to see you later this week where we're going to be recapping some of the series we talked about and previewing the weekend ahead. See you then. <laughs>